If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Good morning and welcome in. It's Follow the Money here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel, Matt Humans filling in for the guys. Mitch Moss on vacation. Can't emphasize that enough. We are with you until Friday, so that'll be the case here. We have a lot going on here today. Chad Anderson is going to be with us in the second hour, Matt Humans, and Doug Kazarian, nice enough to give us some time, ESPN Daily Wager, Behind the Bets podcast as well. He will be with us to discuss everything he has seen in the NBA Finals up to this point. You had an exciting weekend. You're here at Circa. I heard you hung out with Aaron Renning for a while as well. How was the weekend? Yeah, we had a big group of guys down here at Circa to watch the UFC fight Saturday night. Man, it was a good crowd up in the third floor warehouse. It was a great place to watch the fights. And a great night to be down at Circa on uh, Saturday. And uh, unfortunately, lost a little bit of money on uh, the fights, JVT. So I was a big Milwaukee Bucks fan last <laughs> night because I was trying to get it all back on the Bucks. Yeah, I was going to uh, uh, ER mention that you guys were down here on Saturday, and I was going to invite myself and come in and hang out. But, you know, I'm not like that, ER. I'm not like that. I want to make sure I'm invited. I want to make sure, I, you know, I, I had, get a, free I had stuff. a wristband for you, man. Did you really? Yeah. I got to check it out next time then. How about the next card, huh? Got a good fight night card coming up on Saturday. You think it'll be the same crowd out there? No, I'm not going to be there for that. (laughs) Well, we did get a win last night for the Milwaukee Bucks, who cut the series deficit in half. So let's start, though. Milwaukee 120, Phoenix 100. Bucks closed as a a four-and-a-half point favorite. Uh, Late push on the total to the under. It actually was 222 throughout the days leading up to the contest yesterday. Closes 220. You get a push uh, that hangs on a late three-point shot by the backups and ultimately does not go down. 
Giannis scores 41 points, leads Milwaukee the first win of the series. So what'd you have here? Why were you? Uh, what were you hanging on to? Bucks minus four and a half. You get a better number. I had Bucks minus three and a half. Yep. I also played some Bucks uh, money line and a little bit of Bucks first half. Yep. So it worked out well. I decided not to play the Bucks first quarter. I uh, played the first half instead, which worked out well because the Bucks trailed by three after the first and blew things open in the second quarter when they finally decided to attack the rim and uh, pound the paint, and that was effective for them uh, as they opened up that lead of uh, 15 points at the half, 60 to 45. But, uh, you know, that's, that's what you expect. When a team's down 2-0 in a series, coming home, you expect that big effort in the first half and the Bucks made a little bit of an adjustment after the first quarter and took control of the game. Yeah, big for the second quarter, 35 to 17, Bucks outscore the Phoenix Suns. The, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, you know, you mentioned this first quarter first half deal. So you guys got to realize what you're paying into in some of these first quarters. The Bucks were laying three and a half in some spots in the first yeah, quarter that's, last that's night. Yeah, that's definitely too much. I mean, that's part of the reason I didn't play the first quarter. You know, even if you had the Bucks to pick, you would have lost, so it didn't matter. But yeah, those first quarter numbers have been inflated, and uh, uh, the values kind of sucked out of that bet. Yeah, a big time. And again, you know, as you know, I noted yesterday too, as we talked about this, six nine and one against the spread in that first quarter, first half. If you split the two, going on, on the team down two nothing, going back home. So that's of course done for this postseason. We'll carry on in terms of tracking that desperation trend as you move forward. But we'll get more on this. Giannis forty one points. The role players, the big deal here, though, right? Holiday twenty one points and eight of fourteen shooting, five of ten from three point range, nine assists. Middleton eighteen points, six of fourteen, three of seven from three point range, adding seven rebounds and six assists. Uh, this series has been lopsided in terms of the results, but uh, uh, there was a lot of dirt digging because of the uh, the graves were being made for the Milwaukee Bucks. Series isn't over. Yeah, all the Suns did was win two games at home, which what they were supposed to do. All right, all right, we got a big uh, big show on tap here. Of course, a lot in terms of that home run derby later today as well. Love me some Joey Gallo in that thing, and I think that we were going to have some pretty good analysis on that. Let's follow the money. This is Brent Musburger, and here is your VSIN action update. Now, here are the latest lines from my guys in the desert. The Open Championship tees off at Royal St. George's Golf Club on Thursday. John Rahm is a 7-1 favorite. Jordan Spieth is 14-1, as is Roy McIlroy, who missed the cut of the Scottish Open. Brooks Kepka, Xander Shoffley, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, all at 18-1. Game four NBA Finals on Wednesday. The Bucks laying three and a half against Phoenix, a total 220. Milwaukee with a 120 to 100 win over Phoenix in game three as a four and a half point favorite. Total 221, stayed under at 220. All-star game tomorrow, the National League, dollar seven favorite over the American League at Coors Field. If you're betting on golf this summer, VSIN has everything you need. Each week, the VSIN golf experts review the players, course conditions, matchups, and odds to give you their analysis on the best bets for every tournament on the Long Shots podcast. Go to vsin.com slash golf to find our golf betting data and analysis today. With your action update, I'm Mike Senna. Get the latest VSIN odds at vsin.com. And remember, cash and tickets is what it's all about. Time to follow the money with your hosts, Mitch Moss and Polly Howard. We've got a VSIN subscriber exclusive this Tuesday. Long shot hosts Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds will be answering your golf betting questions live just in time for the Open Championship. They'll be live Tuesday at 3.15 p.m. Eastern, 12.15 p.m. Pacific for a subscriber-only Q&A session. 
Subscribers will have access to watch live and ask questions, or you can email your questions ahead of time to questions at vcin.com. I'm sure you'll only get open questions on that one. Watch for the link in your subscriber email and join Brady and Wes for all the golf betting insights this Tuesday. Wes, what's your favorite sitcom? <laughs> what is Wes's favorite sitcom? Too He's often got an answer you, for it. Not too often you get to uh, interact with two real-life celebrities like Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds. Uh, they are exactly as they are on the air. Those are genuine personalities up yes. there, too. Wes Reynolds, of course, a little too strong in the self-deprecation. Wes is very good at what he does. Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel with you for the week. That's it. We it's got a really the Edge reunion <laughs> uh, week here. <laughs> and uh, Mitch Moss on vacation. Paul Howard's away. Hopefully he's going to be back soon. I think he's going to be back soon. But we don't have a firm date to give you on that. But Mitch uh, is going to – Mitch was ready for a vacation. This is a perfect time to take it because it's baseball all-star break. Yep. And uh, that being said, it's still not a dead week, JVT, because you know it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. It's British Open week, and uh, we're going to talk a lot of golf here the next uh, few days. Also, we got a home run derby tonight, and mm -hmm. uh, we're going to recap the UFC. I thought it was a, a pretty good night of fights. And we got to see the continued downfall of Conor McGregor. Well, uh, since you said it, it's a natural jumping off point. Let's start there as Conor McGregor goes down. Uh, a doctor stoppage, as he will make sure that you know after the first round, in which, uh, let's be honest, he was completely waxed by Dustin Poirier uh, in that match. Uh, but D Conor McGregor, again, loses. Only win since 2016 is over one. Donald Cowboy's thrown in. I know. I'm sorry about that. You're one of your favorite fighters. Uh, wow. Cowboys' performance against Connor was a complete embarrassment. Uh, it was, it was, but it's a win nonetheless for Connor, who goes down uh, for the second consecutive time against Dustin Poirier. Uh, so let's start with that because I was actually—it's funny—and I brought this up a couple of times in the lead-up when, when I had some conversations about this, which was the, the the conversation around it was hold out. That money's coming for Connor. It's coming at some point, mm -hmm. and it never really did. Dustin Poirier in a lot of spots closes at a dollar forty favorite. I know at DraftKings and other spots closes a dollar thirty, but the line never really budged back in the direction of Connor McGregor. This was one in which the public and the squares seemed to be uh, in unison, hammering in on the diamond for the most part. Yeah, I think uh, Connor had his fair share of action at plus money, but it was nothing overwhelming like you've seen in previous Connor fights. And you didn't have the, I don't think, the masses of Irish fans coming right. to town. To support him, a lot of people just don't believe the Connor hype anymore. When you JVT, when you've won one fight in four years, uh, not too many people are going to be buying the hype. He's uh, he doesn't have much uh, fight to back up the bark these days, and uh, he's basically a guy's all talk. Yep. And that was uh, proven again Saturday night. Now I will say this: if you looked at the the fight between these guys several months ago, there were a lot of sharp handicappers who backed Connor in that fight, and he was a two fifty favorite. Minus 250. So you could look at it and say, hey, this time Connor's plus 120 mm -hmm. coming off a loss. And you could flip it that way and make a case for Connor. But, uh, yeah, I was with Aaron Renning and uh, Brian Edwards, our producer, Matt Santos. We had a group of guys up there watching the fights. And I think halfway through the first round or at some point in the first round, he said, man, Connor's just uh, – he, he looks slow. He doesn't look like the same fighter he was in the past. And uh, he was in trouble. And I actually think that the broken ankle – uh, got him off the hook because uh, I expected that he was going to take a pretty bad beating in the in the the next round. Yes, that second round wasn't going to go well for him. And, no. and I think that's there's a couple things I think you need to be clear about this fight too. First off, uh, it was scored a 10-8 by two of the three judges when the scorecards came yeah, out. Yeah, I think 10-8's a little bit extreme. I, I, I actually completely agree with okay. it. Well, you, I mean, you can make a case for 10-8, but I, I didn't think, wow, that's got to be a 10-8 round. I mean, he'd 
Dustin clearly won the round. Though. Yeah, well, and I think what's uh, when you watch when they were standing on the feet, I think there was a thought that they were kind of even. Conor McGregor initiated the clinch because he ate three combinations hard, <laughs> yeah, right? And that yeah. was a desperation. All right, let me initiate this clinch. Let me get a little bit of a break here. And then he tries for the guillotine, which was an absolute mistake against a guy like Dustin Poirier. And this is why, you know, you saw that gap. This was expected in the first fight or the second fight, right, back in January, which was you thought Dustin Poirier would get a little bit more dirty in terms of the clinching and grappling. There wasn't that much of that. And he finishes no. him on the feet. This time around, you saw why you thought there was going to be more of that because when Connor initiated, when he was a little desperate, that was immediately in Dustin Poirier's wheelhouse. And they're on the ground. He's dropping elbows. He's hammer fisting them. Like there was really, there was a lot of problems for McGregor. And that's why I thought there was a lot of pushback. Like, well, on the feet, it was even. I, I don't think it really was. I thought Poirier was piecing them up. And to your mm -hmm. point, there was edges for Poirier when they were standing. There was edges for Poirier when they went to the ground. And those edges were going to get. I think even more exaggerated as the fight went on. Right, because he's getting gassed out on the ground. Yeah. So even if he lasts into the second, then he has to deal with that going up with Dustin Poirier. I, I've been impressed with Poirier, man. Is he's improved as a fighter, but especially in these last two, because he has really shown that you know, regardless of what you think about McGregor as a fighter overall, there's a gap between these two. And Dustin Poirier, if for some reason they fight for a fourth time, which Dana White said that uh, will happen potentially, that's going to be, I think, one in which now we're talking about Poirier as nearly a $2 favorite if they fight for a fourth time. Yeah, and I think uh, a line was put up on that at the Westgate Superbook, and he was more than a yep. $2 favorite. If uh, That fight's got to go off by the end of next year, I believe, if, if, uh, if it happens. Uh, here's, here's who Connor is at this point, JVT. He's a bully, and uh, he's a talker. And he's a guy who he can his power, his knockout power is going to work on smaller guys. It's not working on the bigger guys like Dustin Poirier, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor, Connor beat up on the little guys like Jose Aldo, and I think he's he's probably best suited. Chad Mendes, who actually almost lost to as well. Uh, <laughs> he he's probably best suited for fights with guys like uh, Diaz, guys who are going to stand there and just throw bombs and trade bombs with him, and uh, he doesn't have to worry about the wrestling aspect of it too much. And uh, maybe that's the next fight. There, I, I think the UFC is going to bring Connor back and set him up. Not against Dustin next, probably against a couple of guys he can beat, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you got to get Connor back in the win column to make people think he's back and you're going to buy the pay per view. Tony uh, Ferguson has been thrown out there as a potential yeah, next fight for him, yeah. which would, I mean, I would watch that. That would be a very entertaining well, fight. I would watch all the Connor yeah. fights. I would watch fights. I mean, he's still the major draw of UFC, even if he's not the, the best fighter on the block. Uh, I will say that Dustin Poirier has been a class act, and Connor is just classless. And uh, a lot of the stuff he said was just disgusting. Uh, but that's uh, been well documented in the media. And after the fight the other night, Adam Hill of the Las Vegas yeah. Review-Journal uh, quoted Dustin on whether there is closure. After this win, he said, quote, it sucks, man. I was going to beat the guy if his leg held up. I'm not sure yet. I need to digest it all because right now it kind of feels weird. It's not a good feeling. You don't want – nobody wants to see a fight in that way on a snapped ankle, no. right? And um, – it sucks to see the fight end that way, but the the bottom line is the fight was going to end with Connor losing one way or another. Yep, it was, and uh, yeah, we'll move forward. It's funny I, uh, on social media there was a lot of like I, I think I tweeted I tweeted out something along the lines of that's ah, good to see Connor downfall right as a fighter, and there was a lot of that's an ugly tweet, that's not nice, and it's like he's a, that's not nice. He's not a great human. <laughs> so did you hear what he said about? <laughs> 
his Poirier's wife, right, or punching old men in bars because they didn't drink his whiskey. Yeah. So it, it is uh, it is somewhat enjoyable to watch Connor the Fighter uh, take a little bit of a downturn over the last few years. And Poirier, of course, one of the many favorites that cashes on this card wow. at UFC 264. Doug Kazeri is going to be with us uh, later, who was on the floor, by the way, at a T-Mobile. Quite the life for Doug Kazarian. Well, he's a big shot at ESPN. He Very and true. Lou Finicaro. That's right. How about Lou getting some camera time at ESPN over the weekend on Daily Wager and uh, had a couple spots. Uh, we got a photo of Lou. Let's see if we can pull it up here in a minute. Uh, this is Lou and Brett Okamoto of ESPN. <laughs> the star rise of Lou Finicaro. Lou's big shot in the spotlight. There he is. V-Send's own Lou Finicaro on ESPN with uh, Brett Okamoto. The only thing I could say there is, what's up with the shirt? If What's wrong a, with it? If you're a serious fight handicapper, do you wear a pink shirt on, on well, fight day? So, huh? first, so there's a couple of things. One, I think the camera's just messy. I think it's red, and it just looks pink. I could be wrong. I, I am a fan of pink shirts regardless. Uh, but the other is, I think that's actually how I picture an MMA handicapper. You picture him in like a suit and tie? Well, no, not in a pink <laughs> shirt, though. I mean, you're not a chick uh, going to a picnic on Sunday afternoon. Hey, this pink looks nice. Sharply on, dressed, uh, huh? a couple of sharply dressed men there. Brett Okamoto <laughs> with him as well. You know, it's uh, over under a, set at a half. Lose a dog better, and uh, this the card didn't go real well for him. Not like no. it was a disaster, but it didn't go real well. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was one of the fighters he backed. Yep. Minus one fifty five, and Wonderboy got dominated by. Um, uh, who did he get dominated by? Gilbert. Gilbert Burns. Yep. Gilbert Burns. Dollar forty underdog. Con- yep. Basically controlled the fight. Betting favorites according to Doug Kazarian. 11-1 and one at UFC 264 with Gilbert Burns in the co-main event as the only underdog to cash. Uh, so if you were a dog player, this is not the card for you. And Dustin went off as a favorite, obviously. Yep, went off as a big favorite, or a relatively big favorite against Conor McGregor in times past comparison-wise. And it was a good card overall, man. Like I, I know there's a lot of booing and uh, chiding the Burns and Gilbert fight, I, or the, excuse me, the Burns and Thompson fight. I was impressed with Gilbert Burns. I, I thought it was a really good performance well, and a fun I think performance. Any booing was directed at Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, right. who basically did nothing for three rounds. Uh, that is very true. Uh, very passive. It looked like he was auditioning for Dancing with the Stars. And, and those matchups are always fun, right? Because who's going to dictate style? A guy who wants to get a little dirty and bring it to the mat, or is it another guy who wants to stand up and strike and kick uh, like a guy like Thompson? And uh, one of the styles won out there, but we also had Ty Tuivasa against uh, Greg Hardy on this card as well. I know that you probably enjoyed the walkout and the overall performance of Tuivasa, but how about this from Rosh Barkazi as the recap here. Tuivasa enters the octagon to the Spice Girls wannabe song. I didn't hear that. Uh, Knocked out Greg Hardy in the first round. And then does, of course, the uh, legendary shoey atop the octagon after and pouring a beer in a shoe and then consuming it. You're a drinker. Yeah. You I down no, with the shoey? I wouldn't drink out of other people's shoes. Did no. you see the one where he was – so he's leaving after he beats Hardy. Somebody does one for it, but they pour hot sauce in the beer nah. and dump it in his mouth? Uh, he was fired up. I'm sure he wasn't tasting anything because <laughs> he just knocked out Greg Hardy. Uh, I thought that was rather embarrassing for Greg Hardy to get knocked out the way he did. He couldn't even take a punch. Uh, yeah, I, I know the guy's a big puncher, but come on. Uh, so Ryan Frederick tweeted, can we end this Greg Hardy experiment now? Greg Hardy knocked out in a minute yep. in uh, his UFC fight. Uh, I was not impressed by what Greg, Greg Hardy brought. Hey, we do have to talk about one bad beat. Our producer, Matt Santos, had the uh, Sean O'Malley fight to go the distance. 
to the judges. <laughs> and that was stopped with 27 seconds to go, and it wasn't even stopped on a knockdown. No, That's it wasn't. a bad beat. He had 5-1 to one odds on that decision. Uh, yeah, and he, look, <laughs> there was no intelligent defense uh, whatsoever going on. And I think my complaint overall with the stoppage wasn't even so much that it happened. It was if you were going to stop that fight, right? I mean, Moutinho wasn't even defending himself from the first round on. So why stop it with 20 seconds left? You could have stopped it three minutes ago. Why not let it play out the last 20? You let this dude get in his face caved in well, the that, entire time. That's what time. I'm saying, too. That little green-haired madman, was, uh, he, he was just charging yeah. relentlessly the whole time. You know, you could have stopped the fight a lot sooner. Why do you stop it with 27 seconds left? Just yep. let him finish at that point. And, the, uh, by the way, with Greg Hardy, too, that's now two consecutive losses for Hardy and uh, – Less than impressive fashion. He gets finished in the uh, first round this time around. Gets finished uh, last time out against Marcin Tybura. And he's got a couple of wins in there. Nothing insanely impressive. Uh, but uh, the Hardy experiment. What's been interesting about the Hardy experiment is the willingness to put him on like main cards and like near headlines, things like that. That has been the weird uh, part about Hardy in terms of the way they I have put you, him out there. Yeah, you, can't, you, you want heavyweight, heavyweights on a card, right? Yeah. I, th- I think everybody who watches a main card like that likes to see a matchup of big punching heavyweights. Maybe that's it. I don't. Yeah. Greg Hardy's not that big a name, is he? I don't think so. Oh. I mean, there's going to be people that tune in to uh, watch him lose, and maybe that is part of the attraction and what they want to do. But regardless, um, Hardy loses another one, second consecutive, and I, I would be surprised to see him. By the way, his eye closed up with one blow. Uh, I just, How powerful is that punch? I don't know. I was shaking my head for a while. I can't believe it. That's all it took was one punch to put that guy out. I all think, right. Go ahead. Let's talk NBA. Yeah. we got our last couple minutes to wrap it up. The Milwaukee Bucks back in the series, 120 to 100. How did you play it last night? Uh, so yesterday, Milwaukee, yeah, 120 to 100. Uh, the only thing I got involved with here was uh, the props. Went back to Mikhail Bridges over one and a half three pointers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ultimately does not get there. And uh, under on DeAndre Ayton points. How about that? Six, I got under 16 here at Circa. He goes over that with nine minutes and 30 seconds left to go in the second and then finishes with 18 points for the game. Uh, what a ridiculous performance there. So th- that was the play. And look, you know, I think when you looked at this overall, one of the things I wrote about yesterday, humans, was the fact that you know, I hadn't seen really much other than an adjustment on the total to make you think that this was going to be anything less than, again, another high-scoring affair. And a, a clanked three-pointer by the backups uh, at the buzzer essentially causes this thing to go under the total. Uh, but I would say this, my takeaway from yesterday from a betting perspective as you move forward, look, these two teams, what they can do offensively really bother the others. They don't have an answer for Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? They don't. Uh, defensively, you're going to get a better performance from this offense in the Phoenix Suns as you move forward against the defense that the Bucks throw out there. Now we can get into the matchups, right? A lot of switching and small ball. But this still is a series that has like these 115, 110-type finals written all over them as you move forward. And I don't think you've seen anything other than the Suns getting blown out yesterday in the third quarter and the second quarter to make you think that anything else is going to happen. And you saw the open for the game four, 219 and a half. And under 220, yeah. bet that over, come there back was, to the well. There was obviously an opportunity. You could have middled the total last yep. night, too. And it lands right, right there at 220. And like you said, there was a three-pointer missed with about 10 seconds to go. Uh, by the Suns, who scored 24 points. There were only 46 points scored in the fourth quarter, obviously, mm-hmm. as the game was a blowout, and that's why the scoring slowed down a little bit. Two numbers jumped out to me, JVT. The Greek freak last night, 41 points in 38 minutes. Look at everything he did on the offensive end of the floor. One turnover. Mm-hmm. That's it. One turnover. A great job by him playing efficient basketball. And the Phoenix Suns get six of seven from three from Jay Crowder. The rest of the team, 
three for 24 from yep. three-point range. Yep. Generally not going to happen for Phoenix in a matchup like this, but you have your bad shooting nights. What we right. talk about all the time, three-point shooting has some high variance. Shoot 50% in the previous game. It don't do so well in the next. All right. We have plenty left to get to here, of course, on Follow the Money. Matt Humans and Jonathan Von Tobel with you for the week. When we come back, first time since 1968 that we have seen this. With that much more here on Follow the Money. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday... I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
for all the money from the OddsTrader.com studio at Circa. Go to OddsTrader.com, download the free OddsTrader app right now, start winning with up to the second info that you need. Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for the guys just this week. Just this week. All right, we have a lot to get to. European Championship uh, went down yesterday. The Italians get the win, 3-2 in penalties after a 1-1 draw. The first Euro title since 1968 for Italy in this spot. Big moment in penalty kicks. Rashford uh, getting Donnarumma to go the other way, but hitting the post. Two subs in the second half as well. Missed the two PKs for England. And Italy gets a pretty big win. Pretty strong win, too, man. England strikes first early on, mm-hmm. gets a goal. Uh, on Actually, I thought it was a really great uh, sequence for them. And then after that, Italians dominate possession. Humans, they get the domination in terms of shots on goal. Um, after that quick start, it was Italy pretty much the rest of the way. Epic final, JVT, an epic final. I was on the edge of my seat the entire game. You didn't watch that much, did you? I didn't watch any of it. Oh, I thought it was uh, really it was a really good game. No, I'm sure out. it was going to be a good game. There was no doubt. I was watching golf and baseball and some other things, and I, I knew that Stanford Steve would load up all the key highlights last night on SportsCenter, and I just <laughs> I watched the highlights. Now, I did watch a few of the soccer games during this tournament. I just didn't catch yesterday's game. I bet under two, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously you got to push on that. With uh, Italy scored in, what, the 69th minute? Is that right? Yeah, somewhere in that range. 67th minute, sorry. After England got that quick strike early in the game. Uh, You know, it's. I'm sure it's uh, heartbreaking for guys like Nigel Seeley and England soccer fans. First time they've been in a final, I think, since 1966. Um, And to get that close to winning it and losing on the penalty kick shootout uh, has got to be heartbreaking. But I will say that... From what I read and uh, a couple of people I talked to, the Italy seemed like the better team throughout the game. Yep. And that, hey, man, I like, I like, I'm not a soccer purist, but I like the penalty kick shootouts. Right. I do, because there was a lot of drama involved in that. I, like I've said many times, and I'm sure people were gonna, some people are going to disagree, that some of the soccer uh, diehards, you can't let these guys play forever you just can't run around on and on and on at some point you got to put an end to the game well either that or what's that again i'm not a soccer purist like you but if you're going to do uh if you're going to do something like that do you not alter it like you do with like sometime uh, when you're talking about like pulling two guys like a a guy off each side off the pitch or something like that making it somewhat easier to score if you're going to continue to go and and like make it like golden goal or something like that as you move forward Mm -hmm. you have to change i think a little bit of the way that you operate if you're going to do something right because you said you can't just put all guys out there still and just keep playing until a goal comes out 250 <laughs> right. minutes and wait until players just drop dead on the pitch. But, uh, yeah, I'm, we're not here to change soccer rules. I, I thought it was just from what I watched and uh, on the highlights last night. It looked like a fantastic game with a great atmosphere at Wembley Stadium. And uh, it's a game that Italy and English soccer fans are not going to soon forget. And to your point, too, really quickly, some of the numbers behind it. Italians' possession, 62% to 38%. They had 20 shots with six on goal compared to six shots and one on goal by the English in that game. And still, England had quite a few opportunities, right? You talk about the penalty kicks. Uh, when you go through those, you know, Pickford gets a massive save after two, you know, the, some of the misses for England. He gets a massive save there. Sock has a chance to do it, but he is turned away. So it was a lot of fun. And uh, look, this is the, the big stage, right? And now the Americans are on the big stage in basketball as well. It's a lot of international sports here. <laughs> Didn't perform quite well on the big stage at Michelob Ultra Arena, but... The biggest upset of the weekend is a game that very few people even recognize. It was under right. the sports radar, but it was the biggest upset of the weekend. USA basketball goes down 
as a 28-point favorite, yep. JVT. How about this nugget from Brian Windhorst? Coming into the game, the Americans had been 54-2 and in exhibition games since professionals started playing in 1992. 28 to a 30-point favorite, depending on where you look. Lose outright to Nigeria, 90 to 87. Nigerians go 20 of 42 from beyond the mm-hmm. arc. And, and look, like we were talking about this off the air. The Americans went in four days of practice. One of them was a light workout, no scrimmaging. Uh, these are, if you look at the roster all the way around, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, a bunch of isolation scorers, right? And when that happens in tight games, you're going to revert back to, let me see if I can do this on my own. Nigerians got some good team. Look, remember, Nigerians have seven NBA players as well. So it's mm-hmm. not like this is a, a team right. of nobodies. Right. But now you got to go back at it again. You're a 16.5-point favorite against the Australians later today. And uh, you don't sneeze at the Australians. Patty Mills, Matisse Thibel, Joe Ingles, Josh Green, Aaron Baines. Wow. And then you get Matthew Dovadova and Dante Exum on the well, roster That's a pretty well, good but... team. That's a pretty good Australian team. Nick Bogdanovich and William Hill are hopefully going to be on with us this week. I want to find out how much betting action these USA basketball games are drawing. 28-point favorites against Nigeria. Lose the game 90-87 to here in Vegas. Like you said, 16-and-a-half is the number today. This Australian team looks pretty good. And as you mentioned, Get some big names on the U.S. side, but this is a team that's just been thrown together here in the past week. Yep. All right, Major League Baseball, Ronald Acuna Jr. done for the season. What does it mean for the Braves? The Astros get a massive win over the New York Yankees to avoid the sweep. We're back here on Follow the Money. If you're looking for a hot tip to bet on, Bet River Sportsbook has you covered every day. Go to the Bet Rivers app or betrivers.com, find the game you want to bet on, tap tips, and you'll get instant research for the upcoming matchup. Try it out for baseball, soccer, tennis, and a variety of other sports. And to make your experience even more rewarding, Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant pants, and only a one time playthrough. Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Got to be 21 gambling problem. Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, 1 800 gambler. Indiana, 1 800 9 with it. Colorado, 1 800 522 4700. Michigan, 1 800 270 7117. Virginia, 1 3500. Iowa, call 1 800 bets off. Well done. BetRivers.com. Yes, it was. Yes, indeed. The worst news of the weekend, I don't think there's any doubt. It was Ronald Acuna going down for the season. Bad news for the Braves with uh, their superstar with a torn ACL, and uh, we're not going to see him again until 2022. Yep, it sucks. Uh, Done for the year. And uh, Acuna, when you look at this for the Braves' perspective, humans, I'm really curious how this team looks moving forward because this is one that was already somewhat disappointing, and it wasn't the line's fault. The the Braves' pitching bullpen has not been great. Uh, but now 44 and 45 on the season. You're four games back in the division. You're seven games back for the second wild card. The NL wild card's a nightmare. Unless you're the Cincinnati Reds, you really don't have a, a very good opportunity to catch one of those teams out of the NL West. But now you look at it, he's your only qualified hitter with an average over 280. He leads them in home runs, total bases, and steals. You have to wonder if they have any speed left after this, too. Like, it, this is a, obviously a very massive blow. You don't have to say that. But from a lineup perspective, mm-hmm. you know, there is depth to this lineup to a certain extent. But I am really curious what this means for them going forward from that perspective. It's trouble. That's what it means. Uh, the Braves have been pretty good offensively. Like you said, that's not been a problem. But you take Acuna out of that lineup, right. and uh, you're, the Braves are a 43-44 and 44 team going into the break. I don't see how they're going to be 
Uh, I don't see how they're going to be in the playoff race in the second half without this guy. He's one of the five best players in baseball right now. Yep, and if you look, a historical player as well. Major League Baseball players with 100 home runs, 75 stolen bases before the age of 24, Ronald Lacuna Jr., Mike Trout, Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez and Andrew Jones. Those are all some pretty good players wow. right there. It's really good company to have. I was disappointed, really disappointed when I heard about this because Acuna uh, is one of my favorite players in baseball, obviously, and uh, I thought the Braves could make a push in the second half if they could get their pitching together, and that's not going to be the case. And it's, it's a, I guess, a boost for the Mets who lead that division, and uh, yep. now they don't have to sweat the Braves as much in the second half without Acuna. I saw the report... Jeff Passan of ESPN said that uh, Acuna will be back in nine to ten months. He's going to be back for the start of the next season. Yeah, <clears throat> modern medicine is—he'll be back. He'll be—I wouldn't even doubt. You know, in terms of being like one hundred percent when he's fully healthy, he'll be back to being Ronald Acuna Jr. Oh, uh, he'll be—he'll be the same player when he comes back. But nine to ten months is a very conservative timetable. Uh, I've had a torn ACL and MCL in the same knee, JVT, and I was back playing pickup basketball three months later. Mm-hmm. Now, that was an aggressive timetable, but a guy like Acuna, I think, could be back in six months. Yeah. So anybody who's fearing that he might not be ready for the start of the next baseball season, he's going to be back. And the Braves, too, only one of three teams in that division with a positive run difference. Just like you said, they were a candidate to bounce back here in a positive yeah. fashion uh, and potentially push the New York Mets uh, for that title. But it looks like the Mets now, as you said, one less team to worry about. And here's the other thing as well. You know, this changes things in, in the big picture for every single team because now this is, you would think maybe, one less buyer on the market depending on how, you know, the next few weeks go. Are the Atlanta Braves still going to potentially go out there to try to find some pitching at a trade deadline and push for a title? Like, how does it change their perspectives as they go forward? Uh, like, there's uh, there's a lot of stuff that spins off from something like this. So it sucks. And overall, too, just an update for those who uh, don't know off the top of their head, uh, the division odds. For this one right now, Mets minus two eighty six at DraftKings, Braves six to one, Nationals seven to one, Phillies eight to one, and the Marlins at forty to one. You know, and you're talking about yeah, the Braves are forty four and forty five, one game under, and uh, at six to one, I think you could probably just bump that up to eight to one. Yeah, they, they could change spots with the Phillies, and you could bump the Phillies to six to one, and the Braves to eight to one. The Nationals have hit the skids a little bit after that long winning streak, and we still don't know if the Nationals are going to trade Max Scherzer mm-hmm. at some point in July, but. Uh, the Phillies are the team, I think, that uh, now have the best chance to make a push to catch the Mets from behind in the East. Yes, they are, and there's a uh, candidate on that, that roster, too, that's going to have a big second half. We'll get to that uh, at some point later in the show and later in the week. Uh, speaking of, so wild week, and we get the Acuna Nunez, uh, Jr. news. Uh, we also get a ridiculous finish because the Astros avoid the sweep with a walk-off win over the New York oh, Yankees on man. Sunday. So this was going on around the same time as the Euro Championship, so I had it on you know two TVs. And I'm watching the European game, and I look down, and I see like Jose Altuve is getting his shirt torn off. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Jose Altuve, three-run shot, bottom of the ninth, to give uh, off of green, to give the Astros a victory. They complete a six-run rally to beat the New York Yankees, down 7-2 to two in the ninth, runners on second and third with no outs. It eventually ends in a win for Houston. How about that? The first win, I know you got something on the Astros or the Yankees, but how about this? First win for the Astros when trailing by five or more runs in the ninth since July 25th, 1980. Whew. That's, uh, I got to say, that's the luckiest betting win I've had in a long time because I, I bet the Astros on Friday and lost. Yeah. I bet the Astros on Saturday and lost. And uh, they were shut out in both games. Houston went into the weekend as the MLB leader in runs scored and run differential. Now, I know that uh, Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa were out of the lineup, mm-hmm. but still, 
Houston got shut out on back-to-back days by a Yankees pitching staff that limped in there uh, for the weekend series. I thought, okay, the Astros got to come alive on Sunday. I bet them again. They're down 7-2. to two. I'm out playing golf, JVT. I'm, uh, I'm ticked off. I said, I can't believe I'm going to lose all three bets on the Astros this weekend. And uh, I checked the score app. 8-7? to seven? Astros won the game? Yep. I thought that it had to be a mistake. Six runs in the ninth, including four off Chad Green. Aroldis Chapman did not make an appearance, and he's been a dumpster fire recently. Uh, how about this for the Yankees franchise first? And this is not the kind of first history you want to make. The first season in franchise history that the Yankees have lost multiple games when leading by four-plus runs entering the ninth inning. And the last time they did it was not too long ago, June 30th against the Angels in the Bronx. MLB teams are 493-2 and two when leading by four or more runs entering the ninth inning this season. The Yankees responsible for both losses. Yeah, it's not going well. And it was a fun series. Look, like I know it didn't go well from a betting perspective for you, but you had well, uh, the antics of the Yankees, Aaron Judge rounding third with the shirt, everything that was going on. Um, you kind of hope to a certain extent that they make the postseason. Can we get a series between these two clubs? It would be a lot mm-hmm. of fun, but it was a cool series to watch over well, the weekend. Garrett Cole had a great start on uh, Saturday, mm-hmm. which he needed yes. because Garrett Cole was leaking oil. By the way, the uh, Dodgers, oh my God. Saturday night, dropped 22 runs on the Arizona Diamondbacks. When was the last time you saw a team as pitiful as the Diamondbacks? Pretty bad. Eight home runs, two grand slams, 22 runs, obviously a season high, 21 hits and one hit from each spot in the lineup for the Dodgers in that game. And yesterday, the Dodgers got a leadoff homer from Mookie Betts and then a walk-off homer by Max Muncy to win the game in the ninth inning uh, to take two or three in the series. D-backs were competitive, but not on Saturday. And they got beat 22 to 1. Speaking of big bombs, we got the home run derby later today. This guy, Taylor Made, for a competition like this. We'll tell you who that is when we come back. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. 
you'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook now and get a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Simply download the app, sign up using promo code VSIN, and get started with the only top-rated sportsbook that matters, DraftKings. You can bet on it. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Eligibility restrictions apply. DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for terms and conditions. Again, the promo code VSIN. That is Matt Humans. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in here on Follow the Money for this week. The duo is back together for a couple of days. Home run derby later today. Very exciting. Shohei Otani, my guy. Showtime. The favorite at DraftKings to win this bad boy. 350, plus 350, the odds on Shohei. Uh, there's a lot of varying oh, odds. Shohei, here at Circus Sports, Shohei's two. Two to one, right. plus well, two hundred. Yeah. So that's why, like, if you're in a jurisdiction like a Colorado, where you can really shop around for some of these numbers, boy, oh boy, can you find some varying numbers on certain guys. Yeah. Uh, but like, for example, so you mentioned Circa. You know, last look for me, what a couple hours ago, plus two hundred five. Like you mentioned, a Shohei Otani plus three fifty over at DraftKings. BetMGM plus three twenty five. But the consensus is Shohei Otani, your favorite to win this thing. Uh, as you look at. Some of the odds right there, courtesy of DraftKings right now. The second, in terms of a consensus choice, top three is pretty consensus, actually. Joey Gallo and then Pete Alonso. Um, I mentioned a guy tailor-made for a competition like this. Got to tell you, I think it's Joey Gallo. Uh-oh. We're on the same page. Why is that an uh-oh? <laughs> Why is that an uh-oh? <laughs> when, when only two people agree? Why is that a problem? Well, there's only eight guys in the contest. Yeah. We're on the same guy. I said on Friday's show with Mitch, and Mitch agreed. Mitch like Joey Gallo, too, so yep. all three of us uh, in unison on this. Joey Gallo is a kid from Vegas. He's got that sweet left-handed swing, uppercut swing. Oh, hell yeah. A ton of power. He comes in hot. He had a stretch here before the All-Star break where he hit 10 homers in 10 games. I just think his, uh, his swing is perfectly ta- tailored uh, for a home run derby. You know, not that Shohei Otani's not, but Shohei hits 
as you know, as an Angels fan, you watch a lot of these games. Mm-hmm. He hits a lot of balls to center field. Yeah. Shohei hits, uh, he's got a lot of power to center. It's incredible, his power to dead center. Yeah, it's it is. Insane. It really is. I'm not sure what it's going to be like in a home run derby. It'd be a little bit different. But I think Joey Gallo has got uh, the perfect swing to win this. And um, that's my pick as well. So you, me, and Mitch all on Joey Gallo. I think the best number you can find on him is plus 450. I've been trying to find 5-1, yeah. to one, but I haven't found it yet. I, I'm fired up for this contest because, first of all, it's a course field at altitude. You know juice baseballs are going to be part of the uh, competition. What's the longest home run we're going to see? We'll talk about that. But uh, aside from Joey Gallo and Shohei Otani, who do you think's got the best shot? Now, first of all, we've got first-round matchup. These guys yep. are going head-to-head. So uh, I'll tell you this. If Gallo got upset by Trevor Story of the Rockies in the first round, I wouldn't fall out of my chair shocked. That's just the nature of a home run derby. Uh, but now I liked it better when just eight guys let it rip in the first round and the top four scores advance. Mm-hmm. I don't really necessarily like this head-to-head bracket. So you're a home you? run derby purist, huh? <laughs> I'm not a soccer purist, <laughs> but I'm a home run derby purist. No, I mean, so I, I think when I when I was looking at this whole entire the entire field, the guys that stuck out to me in terms of ones that uh, I think have the best opportunity to win it, uh, it is going to be the top three, right? Shoy Otani, Joey Gallo, uh, Pete Alonso, and then I do, do think Trevor Story. I think you would definitely throw in there if you're taking like a longer shot. And Matt Olson, too, but the reason why those guys stick out to me, humans, is if you look at the rest of them, and the rest of them, there's only three others, but like a guy like Juan Soto, much more of a line drive hitter, yes. right? Not in terms of a lot of lift. If you look at like ground ball to fly ball numbers, everything like that. I love Soto as a player, but you're exactly right. He's more of a line drive hitter. Right, more contact line drive. Trey Mancini, it might surprise some people, also more of a line drive hitter for the most part, too. the sentimental pick. Numbers. Yeah. Trey Mancini, everything he's overcome to uh, make a big comeback this season. If, if you're looking for a story, uh, a... Um, uh, I guess an emotional type of story. Trey Mancini would be your pick. Yeah, but I think the the what led me to Joey Gallo and like to your point, maybe Trevor Story winning something like this. Joey Gallo with that natural uppercut swing is a fly ball hitter. If you look at his career throughout since he has made it to the majors, Joey Gallo. If you're talking about fly ball rate, has been consistently high throughout his entire career. A career fly ball rate of over fifty percent. Shohei Otani, if you remember at the beginning of his you know, major league baseball career, was actually more of a line drive hitter. He didn't get a lot of lift on his balls. I know. Right, but now, yeah, he has really he has changed his swing a little bit. He has more lift to a lot of his swings and a lot more, of course, to his hits. And so he has gone from a line drive hitter his first three years. Look at this. Ground ball to fly ball ratio for Otani the first three years. 1.32, 203, 150. This year, 0.8. Yeah. Like, he has definitely changed in terms of the way he's approached things. But Trevor Story, Pete Alonso, all those guys, like, that was the common thread to me is looking at guys in this contest who consistently get lift on the ball – that's those five guys if you throw Olsen in there as well. But to me, like you mentioned it, Gallo with that natural uppercut swing I, I, and the power that he's got, he's in good shape too. Like I think because that's an underrated aspect of this. Guys do gas out as you get later into these rounds for the home oh, yeah. run derby. So ever, everything led ever, to Gallo. you ever competed in a home run derby or taken like high intensity? I was going to say, yes, yeah, a crappy it, one. It, yes. it does wear you out. Trey Mancini, by the way, it's 16 to 1 odds. You were talking about the importance of uh, shopping. Uh, DraftKings, Mancini's 10-1, to 1 and yep. Circa 16-1. to 1. So, how about, Well, how about this? Sal Perez, if you want a long shot, when I was looking around yesterday, 8-1 to 1 at William Hill, 7-1 to 1 at DraftKings, 8-1 to 1 at MGM, 20-1 to 1 here at Circa, mm-hmm. which I would kind of agree a little bit more with the 20-1. to 1. But like, do you remember a couple of years ago, there was the year that Miguel, uh, Miguel Sano made it in the home run derby. He made a deep run, but by mm-hmm. the final, he completely gassed out. He had yeah. nothing left in the tank. 
Like it's it's very important in that regard. Do you think? You know, I'm not going to say he's not in shape, but do you think Pete Alonso, who's got more, I think has to put more effort into his right. swing? He doesn't have. I think Otani and Gallo just have more natural, compact swing that's uh, built for the Derby that Pete Alonso might not be that efficient with the swing. Do you think that works against him a little bit? Yeah, I think so. That lumberjack swing, like where he's yeah. just resting the bat on his shoulder, just ready to go. I will say, Otani gets pretty violent with the swings at times. I wonder how much that works against him in, in a contest like this. If he's starting to get like super violent on every single swing, like he's like batting helmet flies off guy, right? Like he'll go insane <laughs> on some of these hacks, and it's good because it leads to those massive bombs to dead center. Uh, but I think overall, for me, it was Joey Gallo to win this thing. You too? Yeah, it's my yep. pick. It's been mm-hmm. my pick since Friday. I'm sticking with it. Uh, by the way, Perez down to twelve to one at circa. Okay, so you get that adjustment uh, right now. If uh, you said it was twenty to one yesterday, yesterday yeah. so somebody thought that number was out of whack. Obviously, yeah, compared to the market, it was. How about Matt Olson? You're you're talking about uh, fly ball ratios. That's a guy nobody's really talking about. Yep, seems like kind of the sleeper coming into this. Matt Olson of the Oakland A's. Uh, he's at about seven to one odds. Uh, that that would be a guy that wouldn't stun me if he won the contest. No, and he's a natural fly ball hitter yeah. too, right? For his career, ground ball to fly ball ratio of .8, uh, fly ball rate of forty four percent. So he is two has that natural lift on a lot of these. And that's why, like, if we're talking about picking, like, those are my top five in no particular order. But Gallo would be at the top just because of that's what I was looking for in a lot of these guys. And by the way, your first-round matchups as well, Shohei Otani taking on Juan Soto in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, Otani about a 225 favorite. These are courtesy of FanDuel. Uh, what, plus 184 coming back on Soto. Pete Alonso about a $1.60 favorite over Salvador Perez in that first-round matchup. Joey Gallo minus 200 against Trevor Story. And then Matt Olson. Dollar eighty-eight favorite over Trey Mancini. Those are your first-round matchups. Yeah, the circuit those. price is actually a little bit different on some of these. Uh, Shohei minus two hundred. Uh, we've got Joey Gallo minus one eighty, hmm. and uh, Matt Olson minus two hundred against Mancini. So a little bit different. But like you said, you've got to compare. If you're gonna, if you're seriously gonna bet this uh, home run derby, uh, compare the prices of different books. All right, let's look at some of the props because. Uh, I'm curious what you think the longest home run is going to be. And then hour number two, Chad Andrus is going to join us. He's a Denver radio TV broadcaster. And uh, we're going to talk NBA with him as well. But I think he'll have a take on this. The longest home run in this contest, the prop up at uh, DraftKings, 5'10 and a half. So 510 feet. And JVT, this is at altitude. Like I said, with juice baseballs, I would go over. And over is the favorite here at minus 121. Yeah, batting practice type situation, I think you would probably feel like that's going to go over. Right? The longest one in action, I think, at Coors Field was Giancarlo Stanton, 504. I think what I was looking up, and this was an article back from a couple of months ago, uh, but that was obviously like during a game mm-hmm. as opposed to just taking batting practice pitches and trying to crank them out. So I'd go over. I think juice baseballs are the key here, right. too. Right, yeah. And uh, I'm going to say five, I'm going to guess 500, I'll say 525 feet is going to be the longest homer. Yeah, and you have the odds, too, there, by the way, uh, to the player to hit the longest home run, Gallo, 350, Otani, 4-1, to one, Pete Alonso, 425. And generally the same order as we see these guys in terms of uh, winning this thing. Story, 6-1, to one, Olsen, 7-1, to one, Juan Soto, 750, Salvador Perez, 8-1, to one, I mean, and the let's, let's team, 10-1. to one. You would not want to bet... Against Joey Gallo or Shohei Otani <laughs> hitting a 500-foot homer in this contest? No, not at all, man. These guys, like I said, they're they are made for something like this. Specifically, Gallo. Gallo, I think, is going to be really good for this. So, 
Uh, really quickly, as we move on from the home run derby, uh, let me ask you this as we were talking about we'll have more big picture stuff in Major League Baseball. Uh, you mentioned the Philadelphia Phillies in the last break, right, talking about potentially challenging in that division now that the Atlanta Braves may be out of the picture. Uh, well, they took two of three from the Boston Red Sox, and the Red Sox are a team that I think uh, maybe most of us thought that, eh, what's going to happen as we move forward with this team, especially pitching, right? Gary right. Richards has fallen off a little bit. you got a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez struggling. Is Evaldi going to hold up throughout the entire series? Well, they're one and four in their last five games heading into the All-Star break. Yeah, Red Sox stumbling into the break, and when they come out of the break, they're going to be in the Bronx to face the Yankees, yep. and, and they've uh, made the Yankees look like fools so far this season. Uh, yeah, I don't... I wonder if the Red Sox are going to be in the in the Max Scherzer Derby, and if Scherzer is going to be on the block for the Nationals. At this point, you know, at five games under five hundred, you'd think Washington might make Scherzer available, especially if you get one of those offers you can't refuse. You think the Red Sox would go after Scherzer? I mean, no. I think that's the that's the need, right? That's, that's that's the big need, and I think if the Red Sox got him, they would be in great position in the second half. But then again, I did watch Scherzer against the Padres last week, and I'm not so. Did he give up a grand slam to a pitcher? <laughs> he did give up a he grand is now slam an to a pitcher. awful pitcher. <laughs> Red Sox lead, now just down to one and a half games. Rays uh, took the series from the watch Blue Jays. Watch out for the Rays. I still would bet on the Rays to win that division. I, I hope so. I got them a plus 275 to win that thing, so they need to pick up some steam here. All right, second hour of the program. Chad Anderson is going to join us. We'll get the uh, on-the-ground perspective out in Denver to see uh, his thoughts on what's going to happen to the Home Run Derby and much more. We have a recap. Scottish Open. That was fun. So it was the John Deere Classics. Follow the money. Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. 
Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.